Hello, this is Pastor Daniel once again. This is part two of our Advent devotional series, and uh, I'm calling this series Facing Holiday Isolation, and this is part two, uh, Mental Health and the Incarnation. Uh, I, I do want to talk about mental health. I don't know why it's not as popular of a topic as it should be, but I feel that it is utterly relevant right now in this time and season of COVID. According to the CDC, in a research project they conducted over the summer, during this pandemic, um, upwards of 40% of American adults, through some of their polling and research, reported mental health struggles. That's anxiety, that's depression, that's trauma. And also in that 40% was reported um, substance abuse. Even 11% reported seriously considering uh, suicide, taking their own life. So mental health is a topic we have to address. Um, to begin with, I'm no psychologist, I'm no doctor. Uh, I firmly believe in medication, that God has blessed us with things like medication in order to really assist those who are really deeply struggling with depression. I have no clinical or professional advice to offer by any means, only spiritual and theological, as well as some more practical and, you know, kind of pragmatic ideas uh, and, and ways to help all of us during this difficult time. So in this uh, devotion, I want to briefly look at the story of Elijah, the isolation and depression that he experienced. And I want to consider how the incarnation and the story of the first advent itself can be of help to us when addressing this topic. And then I want to get very practical concerning, you know, ways we can actually uh, live, try to tackle this issue in the oncoming month. So the story begins in 1 Kings 18 with Elijah. We find him at the highest moment of his life, just defeating the 400 prophets of Baal. God intervenes extremely dramatic, one of the most dramatic stories you'll find in all of Scripture. But immediately afterwards, you see the wife of Ahab, who is the king of Israel, his wife Jezebel, threatening Elijah's life, saying, essentially, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. Just like you took care of those prophets of Baal, I'm going to take you out. And how does Elijah respond? He runs. He runs to the wilderness. He runs to a familiar wilderness. If you know of Israel's story, as we see, he runs to a place called Mount Horeb. Now, Mount Horeb, most people believe when they're reading the story, is Mount Sinai because it's referred to as the Mount of God in this chapter. Sinai is where Moses received the Ten Commandments. He received the law from God where Israel stood at the foot as God descended in thunder and lightning and a big cloud and trumpet blast and another very dramatic scene. We could assume that Elijah was uh, trying to essentially find some kind of otherworldly experience outside of his day-to-day -day harsh reality that he could find hope in, and that he could meet with God in. Depression is the right word to use for Elijah, because um, in this time when he was actually in the wilderness, traveling to this mountain, he was found sitting under a broom tree saying, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. He is in the depths and the doldrums of depression. I want to pause here and just point out a few things. Elijah was living in a way that we can call imminently 
or uh, he was really just stuck in his day-to-day reality, and he was trying to get out of that. He wished for death, an escape, but yet he was on the way to climb a mountain to have another dramatic experience, another form of escape from his day-to-day experience. But this wasn't just any mountain, as we said. This was an all-important mountain. He knew what he was doing, what he was looking for. But Elijah, uh, he, he did this because his, he couldn't face what was happening for him day to day. He needed some kind of experience or something beyond his own reality uh, to help him cope with his day-to-day life. And I think this is normal. I think there's a part of our humanity that says um, there must be more to this life. Uh, we seem to have an innate desire to long something that's beyond ourselves, to long for something that's almost more real, almost more tangible than what we can see, even a, a better reality than the one that we have currently. Um, at our church, we have a theme of hope. That's the theme of our Advent sermon series. I think in this time of COVID, we all just are trying to think back to a world that was different, and we look forward to a world that won't have this pandemic. And that's, those are two things outside of our current reality, right? Um, some people, when they want to escape this and look past this current reality, they gain destructive habits, uh, self-harm, addictions. Uh, some is not, maybe doesn't appear quite as destructive, right? But just, you know, night-long Netflix binges or couch surfing, social media scrolling, you know, for 45 minutes. But, but there's even a bigger picture at play here, even beyond those things. Um, I think this pandemic has shown for so many of us that we have a hard time being in our own skins. We have a hard time just being alone with ourselves, right? Um, and we, I think all of us have different ways to, to kind of cope with that. Like, how can you sit alone for an extended period of time? How do you respond when you find yourself alone like that? Um, and I've seen for many that they simply don't know what to do. They can't handle it. They're, there's an anxiety that comes with just sitting and just being alone with yourself and with God. There's an anxiety there. Joseph Piper, he was a German Catholic philosopher who lived in the 20th century. He talked a lot about this, not being comfortable just in your own skin or in your own minds in those quiet moments. He talked a lot about this. Um, in the, he, he said in his book, The Leisure, The Basis of Culture, that in the high mid-ages, um, they referred to the inability to essentially be with yourself, alone with yourself. They referred it as, uh, to idleness. Because what happens is if you're not comfortable with yourself or just being alone with yourself, like Elijah wasn't comfortable, he was running to an experience, right? Um, whatever you're running to to help cope with or to prevent you from being alone, if you were alive in the mid-ages, I would have said, you're idle. Even though if you look at your life, you may think, I feel really busy right now. Like I'm doing all this stuff. I'm busy doing this. I'm busy scrolling this I'm on my phone. I'm, I'm cleaning nonstop. I'm doing this. I'm keeping myself busy so I don't have to sit. And if you're alive in the mid-ages, they would say, you're, you're being idle. Stop being idle. This is what um, Piper, uh, he's, he's actually quoting Thomas Aquinas in and out. This is what he said. 
This theological concept of idleness means that man finally does not agree with his own existence. That behind all of this energetic activity, he is not at one with himself. That, as the Middle Ages expressed it, sadness has seized him in the face of the divine goodness. And this sadness is the sadness of the world spoken of in Scripture. In other words, true idleness is a result of not knowing how to even face yourself and then avoiding yourself through busyness and escapisms. We simply don't know what to do in these situations other than often mindlessly doing things or even engaging in mind-numbing activities. I won't go through in detail or read the whole full story of Elijah, but some answers kind of come from this. And that when he's on top of the mountain, a great wind sweeps through. He's looking for the presence of God. Where are you? A wind sweeps through. Then an earthquake rocks the mountain. The fire blazes in front of him. But the scripture is clear that the presence of God was in none of those things. Nowhere to be found. But suddenly, a, uh, the translations handle it differently, but some say a whisper, some say a, 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 a minute stillness, some say a thin silence. There's a, almost if you're completely quiet and you hear kind of this noise, this whatever room you're in, this you know, spatial noise that may be happening in my mornings. We're downstairs in our living room. It's usually our fish aquarium kind of bubbling, you know, like whatever sound is around you, Elijah heard something and he said, that quiet sound, that's God. And he knew it. And this is where I want to park. Because you and I, we can't summon an earthquake, but we can find silence. Even though in our day it maybe have to be done intentionally and through some work, but you can find silence. You can turn everything off, even for a quiet moment. And God was trying to tell Elijah, I'm available and accessible in those quiet Moments. You don't have to look for this big experience or escape over here or do or fill your time with this stuff. Like, I'm actually accessible with you even in those dull, quiet, mundane moments when you are alone and even if you feel you're in isolation. God is essentially telling Elijah, You didn't need to come up here, buddy. You didn't need to busy yourself up with this mountain climb, right? Um, I'm available to you even now. Um, Advent goes further and says that God actually entered into our mundane existence and he took on flesh and he physically, when he returned to heaven physically, he sent his spirit to dwell in us. So then you and I don't need to build a tower to get to heaven, build a tower to escape this reality or climb a mountain defying God, but he's available even now. And Paul starts directing our habits to be focused on that. Colossians 3.1 says, set your mind on heavenly things, on things above where Christ is seated. The whole idea of Jesus coming was that he may give a glimpse of heaven to this world, as the famous Lord's Prayer says, on earth as it is in heaven. Um, we must realize that these efforts of escapism that we have are often efforts at finding some kind of false heaven, where maybe some kind of joy might be accessible. Or maybe some kind of better experience could help kind of uh, 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 provide some sustenance for you to keep going if you just had some moments of cheap joy or cheap entertainment or this or that. And this is when the stuff can become destructive for us. Um, those are false heavens, essentially. There's nothing wrong with a good movie or with a good, 
you know, uh, this or that, but when you watch four good movies or four hours straight of screens or television, those are the times that we start being brought low and you're staring at news for hour upon hour or uh, just all throughout the day and you're busying yourself up constantly. This is when things can become destructive and those are false heavens. They're not going to help um, uh, uh, bring you joy. Psalm 16 says, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And I, um, as I close, I want to essentially focus us on what will be the next part, which is the, the cultivation of habits. Because right now we're kind of at a stopping point to say, well, what do we do, right? If we have more isolation than we're accustomed to, especially in these coming holidays, when we feel the waves of sadness, when our Christmas dining room table on Christmas dinner is going to be absent of cousins and grandchildren and, and brothers and sisters and daughters and aunts and uncles. And when those times come for us, which they're coming in December for most of us, and you feel that wave of sadness hit, how are you going to respond? Um, J. A. James K.A. Smith, the philosopher at Calvin College, he said aptly through a title of a book of the same that he wrote, you are what you love. How we respond and what habits we develop in those moments, they have the effect of shaping you and I. They actually shape us, shape how we think of the world, shape, shape how we live day to day. And I feel and I think that in this Advent season, you and I have an opportunity to cultivate our Christian faith in really unique ways right now. More time in your hands may be um, of an asset for you right now to grow in Christ more than you ever have before and to cultivate beautiful habits in your life. And so, um, not that we're experts, but the next episode, I want to show you some um, habits that my family has cultivated um, throughout this time. And um, maybe it will be of help to you and at least some ideas of how you can do so yourself. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, keep an eye out for the next episode. Thank you.